Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we look at father and son relationships through popular culture. My name is Dominic Archer and with me always is David Bryan. David, how are you today? My name is David Bryan. I'm, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good. I, uh, I've been better. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm really grateful to be talking to you today because it is miserable here. It is a miserable, foggy, boring day. That is so, terrible news. You you are the ray of sunshine as always. The, 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 no, I, I can't. I, if I if I keep going, I'll start crying. Um, today we're going to be talking about the movie that I didn't want to talk about. I didn't want to talk about this movie, Dave, because although true, it does feature a strong father son relationship. It also features one of the most disingenuous Hollywood figures, popular. But disingenuous, I like to call her disingenuous degenerous. <laughs> and and let me tell you, I was real fucking pleased when I came up with that earlier on. That was that, that was my. <laughs> I hope there was a slow. I was clap on a walk going around the internet for you right now for that. That's brilliant. Thank you, thank you. I was on a walk. I thought, God, she's the problem with Ellen DeGeneres. She's just so disingenuous. Oh my God! And that was a real beautiful moment for me. So uh, I, I saved that to, to pull out now. Thank you for the praise. You may you may hold the the further accolades. Thanks for so we're sharing. talking about Finding Nemo. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, uh, have we done a Pixar movie yet? No. Uh, no, we did. Obviously, we've done Disney. We did no. the Lion King, but I don't think we've done Pixar yet. Until yeah. Now. So it's our, our second. It's our second animated movie, right? And fans of animation, Finding Nemo really is one of those twenty first century classics. I think. Do you remember watching the movie in the cinema? Um, I don't remember watching it in the cinema, actually. I'm, I, I can guarantee you I must have gone to see it, but no, I don't remember going to see it at all. Is, is it like a family favourite for you, or did you have any strong memories attached to, the, attached to the movie itself? No, I think this one actually came a bit too late uh, to be a family favourite. Like, I grew up watching the classic 90s Disney film, so the, our first episode, The Lion King, was, was a real throwback to, mm. to my childhood and uh, of that era. There were things, you know, things like uh, Aladdin, especially. Liking Aladdin, I think, were the big two in my childhood. So this one came, Finding Nemo came out in 2003 when I was already, uh, how old was I, 16. So I was kind yeah. of, uh, I never, I never turned my back on animated films or kids movies as I got older as if they were like, oh, those are for kids. I'm a grown up now. I'm 16. I never, mm. I've always loved uh, cinema in all its, in all its form. So, but, um, but no, I think I just, um. It came a bit too late to really become a family classic. I don't remember sitting around and watching it with the with my parents or or anything. But it's at least one of those safe safe ones that can come out at, at Christmas and family gatherings that the grandparents yes. won't be too offended by or scared of. <laughs> yes, no, that that makes sense. And uh, it's two thousand three, so I was twelve twelve when the the movie came out. Um, and my brother is seven or eight years younger than me, so. Um, this is, pr- I, I imagine, one of those movies that we may not have been going to see for me, we may not have watched for me, but one of those family films that uh, we could watch because, as you say, it's kind of accessible for, for all ages. Yeah. As, you know, that's the greatest thing about Pixar, really, is that Pixar, you know, they're such a, what the best thing they do as a studio is be accessible for everyone. Um, and, yeah, it, it's great for my you know, four or five-year-old brother. It's great for me. Uh, you know, the parents can sit back and enjoy it as well. So, yeah, it just goes down as one of those classics, I think. Yeah, it just ticks all those boxes and... that, that Pixar 
set up to 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 achieve really, isn't it? Anyone from from four to four hundred, I was about to say four to <laughs> four Whoa. to four to eight hundred years old can uh, sit down and enjoy their films. Things what they, yeah. they strive for. Well, let's just jump straight into the uh, into the father and son relationship, I guess, because that. In comparison to the other movies that we've looked at, you know, we, we've looked at the Lion King and the, the father-son relationship there, and it's it's important, but it's not the plot of the movie no. so much. Whereas in Finding Nemo, this is the first movie we've looked at, really, where the entire film is based upon that relationship. Uh, we have, of course, the son... In the name of the title, like the, the the name of the movie is about a father finding his son. It's a really uh, human movie, which works really nicely when you play it with fish for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why, but uh, the fish doesn't seem yeah, to ma- yeah. doesn't seem to matter that they're fish. It's, it's just... yeah, it really doesn't seem to matter that they're fish. Again, no. I guess uh, another another Pixar thing. Um, what do you think of the, of the of the father and the son relationship in this? Well, I was about to say actually about how it doesn't really matter that they're fish. This is a kind of a really, it feels like a really human uh, relationship between a father and, and father and son. Like everything that um, Marlin as the father goes through and how it affects him and how he ends up treating Nemo as a result of the you know the the, tra- the, uh, the classic early Pixar tragedy that occurs at the beginning of the film. Um, oh yeah you kind of you understand it like that's that makes perfect sense of course he'd be like overly protective after this horrible thing happened to his his wife and his partner and all their other eggs obviously Nemo is the, the only surviving egg following the the attack from that barracuda or whatever it was at the beginning of the film so it makes perfect sense that Marlin would be a little bit overbearing and overprotective and and uh, but then and then what I quite like about it is it's not it's not very two-dimensional it's not He's overbearing, therefore he has to be strict and mean and show no form of affection or love. Because there's that scene, the first scene that occurs after that early tragedy when Nemo has now grown up and is a, a little fishy of his own and he's taken him, uh, Marlon's taken him to school for the first time. Um, he's still trying to be fairly playful and he's still allowing Nemo out. And because it'd be very easy for them to be like, Nemo's never allowed to leave the anemone because of what happened before. Um, which would yes. just be a bit too, a bit too on the nose, a bit too strict. So I like how Pixar give him a little bit of, bit of leeway, a bit of humanity, and Marlin is a bit more of a, a believable character instead of a sort of two dimensional cardboard cutout of a, you know, bereaved father, which I think is really cool, and that kind of perpetuates throughout the whole film. I think these real believable uh, reactions to things, which I I don't know if you remember. Um, when we were at university, we watched this film because one of our lecturers um, didn't. He his name was uh, his name was John Bryce, and mm. he maintained that Finding Nemo was the most perfect film ever made <laughs> for for a number of reasons. I think mostly because it fell into his own um, unique story structure. Story structure that he came up with on his own. He was like Nemo fits this perfectly, therefore it is the perfect film. <laughs> but um, yes. as much as we all disagreed with him. Uh, it is a good film. I think this this relationship is a is a good one, and I I enjoyed watching it again. Like it's one of these films that I, you can you can come back to, and it can still be affecting, even after so many viewings. Yeah, I agree with that. I I do disagree with John Bryce um, <laughs> yeah. on Finding Nemo being the perfect film. Always one of the things I noticed on this rewatch was that 
the movie is actually kind of weirdly paced. Um, it's one of the th one of the things. I'm going to go into some boring screenwriting discussion now, but one of the things with uh, protagonists is you know a sense of agency in the actions that they take. That's what pushes your your movie along yeah. is the the agency of the protagonist on their journey and you know their their choices. But throughout the entire film, even Marlin, whose decision it is to go after. Um, to go after Nemo, Marlin doesn't have any agency in almost any of the film. He makes the initial decision to go out and find Nemo, but after that, he's just caught up in a series of clusterfucks that, <laughs> yes. that, that finish with him arriving in Sydney. Right? Like, uh, there is nothing, no, no decision that he really makes. And every decision that he does make... Um, adversely affects his chance or chances of getting to Sydney but everything works out because of Dory and yes. so we that then changes the real protagonist of the, the protagonist is supposed to be Marlin and the decisions that he takes to finding uh to finding Nemo but actually Marlin never makes any choices that help him find Nemo. Dory makes all of the choices that help them find Nemo. And Dory makes those choices because she's an idiot. She doesn't mean to make any of those choices. She just accidentally makes them. So everything that pushes these characters forward in Nemo is either Dory's accident or uh, Marlin's bad decisions that lead to Dory's accident leads to them finding it. Um... So, like, the sharks are a perfect example, right? They, they, you, we end up, Marlin, uh, famously, Marlin and, and Dory end up with the vegetarian sharks <laughs> who, who, won't, who won't eat any fish. It's a great scene in, in that submarine. Fish but are friends, not food. It's not food. It's, it's brilliant. It's a really great scene, but everything that happens there is against their decision. That decision then leads into them escaping the submarine as the minefield explodes, and they get, they get the goggles that tell them where to go. But then after they do that, the goggles sink to the bottom of the floor, of the ocean floor. So they go down to the ocean floor to get it, because they, they have to. And then they see the big scary fish, and then that leads them away. Then you've got, like, the jellyfish, which sting them. They're rescued by the turtles. Like, there's a whole bunch of things that happen where the ocean seems to help them, but they don't help themselves. And that takes some of the agency away from them in comparison to what I think is the best structured film of all time, which is Monsters, Inc., another Pixar movie, I think Finding Nemo is, is pretty good. I, it's, it's still, like, a great movie, but Monsters, Inc. is near perfect, in my opinion. Is it really? Near perfect. I think so. Watch, watch Monsters, Inc. again and try and find a problem with that movie. I don't think there is one. But I, I will open myself up to criticism on that if someone else does it. But I watch, I watch it and then go, yeah, that's the perfect film. I think. That's interesting. But that's, that's taking... That is yeah. a bit, it's a bit of a tangent, that's, but I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm going to sit down and watch that again, actually, and yeah. see if I can spot uh, anything. Yeah, definitely do. Anyway, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll do a separate... Because it's kind of a, a father-daughter movie, almost. So maybe we can pick up... Yeah, some of uh, We can pick up on... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can pick up on that on a separate one. Um, but yes, Finding Nemo. So... Uh, the basic plot is, yeah, we have 
as you were saying, we have the overprotective father who the, that moment, as you were saying, where he is playing with Nemo at the beginning is akin to what we described with the Mufasa Simba discipline scene. Right, that yeah. moment of discipline where in The Lion King where um, Mufasa plays with Simba highlights the, the joy of their father and son relationship um, before Mufasa is killed. And we, we get that again in this one where, uh, yes, Marlin is paranoid, but he loves his son and is happy with his son. And we see them playing around. And that's a really important scene because it's really the only one in the movie where they are happy together until the end of the movie. So we are we do rely upon that moment of happiness at the very beginning to carry their relationship through the entire film. And it does a really good job of, of setting that up, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So so Marlin oh of course the beginning of the film, uh, it's Nemo's first day of school. Um so Marlin takes Nemo to school and they see all of the other dads who are there. And the other dads are real jerks. <laughs> Uh, and I think it starts like every father's nightmare is meeting other dads, right? All dads hate meeting other dads at school. The awkward thing where it's guys you don't really know, you don't really want to hang out with other dads because, you know, guys, I think guys are awkward around other guys unless they have a reason to be around other guys, right? Like you're not awkward around other guys if you're all supporting the same football team because you're unified by something. But when you take your kid to school, it's like, oh, God, it's just an awkward meeting place. And I've got to wait here until my kid's gone. I don't know who these people are. Yeah. I don't want to talk to them. It's the, it's the social obligation to speak to the people who are around you if you're not doing anything else. If you just stood yes. still and there's nothing to do, you're not like, you know, waiting for a bus or a train or, you know, you just actually just stood in silence. All for the same reason as well that you're talking about unified under one kind of banner which eases a bit of that social interaction you you know they're all there for their kids so that should be a good enough reason but i think there's a little bit of a um a masculinity femininity question there because a bunch of mums together waiting for their kids they gabble away they talk about their kids and yeah, they yeah stories yeah. and everything but for some reason a bunch of dads stood there just quietly stood there hands in pockets yes yeah exactly all of them waiting yeah, yeah. To, to when they for when they could leave and <laughs> just yeah. trying to get it over with as fast as possible. Yeah. yeah. And then this starts that, that great recurring, oh, you're a clownfish, tell us a joke. Yeah. Bit. That comes through again and again and again. And that is like such an awkward, like, dad, dad's conversation to have, right? As you're saying, that social obligation. Oh, God, it's me and a bunch of other guys. I just hope they don't ask me anything awkward. Oh, hey, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. Yeah. Oh, no. Is that the... Oh, no. <laughs> it's like every guy's nightmare. I right? yeah, just don't yeah. call me on this. As soon as just, they find out what don't you do. bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't want to like, talk to you about it. Yeah, it's like, I'm not... That's my job. Or, you know, it's, at least with the clownfish, it's just a misconception that, he, it could, that can lead to yes. an anecdote. But if someone says, oh, you're a comedian, tell me a joke. And they yeah, that awkward moment of... I mean, that's kind of my job, and um, you know, it takes preparation. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just here for the kids. Yeah, yeah. That must be so awkward if, for real, for real life, real life people who are well known um, for doing something, and then that's yes. all. Because when you meet somebody new, there's the, an icebreaker needs to sort of usually occur. But if you're the a, a like the one well known person in that dynamic. All the other person has to go off of is the fact that they know you for what you do, and then that becomes the beginning of the conversation. Which, yeah, 
yeah, it must be difficult to uh, have any kind of real identity when the whole world knows, well, you know, or some large group of people knows you for some blanket, two-dimensional um, label, like you're a clownfish, so you must be funny. Yes. <laughs> but I was just, I was reading yeah. about um, that Albert Brooks who does the voice of, of Marlon in this. He spent ages in the, the booth just recording different mangled versions of that anemone joke that he tries to tell. He just did it differently. Oh, really? He just did it differently every <laughs> single time. No two takes were the same. Just yeah, which is a real great bit of a uh, bit of voice acting right there because he's a real funny. Albert Brooks is a really funny comedian yeah, yeah, in yeah. himself. So I bet he's um he's had that plenty of times. Oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. Yes. Yeah, that is yeah. It's a really great moment because we see the way that the kids act together and the way the adults act together, and it's such. Like again, it's it's f- with fish, but a perfect like capture of how yeah. kids and adults work in that very scenario where you take the kids to school. The kids have never met met each other before in their life, and yet the kids are like, "Yay! All right, let's run and play tag and, and play games and have fun together." And all the dads are like, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like yeah. that, right?" Like, yeah, you get the sense like that, with all that. the other the other dads that are already gathered there before Marlin arrives. They're probably all dads that at one point were strangers to each other and stood there quietly. And over time, they've gradually evolved into like one, one sentence uh, conversations. Like, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just as dads do. And now they've got this new person trying. It's like, um, excuse me. It's like someone going up to a group, group of guys in a bar and trying to start a conversation, but they're all, they're yeah. all already friends. Or maybe maybe they're, yeah, all, yeah, they're yeah. watching a sports game on TV or whatever, and then someone comes over and tries to join in. There's this kind of tribal reaction amongst the guys, yeah, like, what guys who know each other. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're not part of our tribe. You can't just come over here and yes. talk to us. We don't know yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Whereas it's, it's, yeah. That is very true. Guys are weird like that. They are. Whereas where women are more likely to be like, oh, hey, you have the same interest as we do. Let you come and talk yeah, to us about yeah. it. No, yeah, ex- exactly. Like if, if, you, if women are in a bar and there is one woman on her own, women are much more likely to be like, are you on your own? Do you want to come and have some drinks with us? Yeah. Whereas guys are like, uh, that guy is on his own. There's probably a reason he's on his yeah. own. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't want him over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, or a guy comes to join you. It's like, uh, what? So yeah, that is a, a weird, a weird masculinity thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Mar- Marlin is, is really, uh, really nervous about Nemo going to school for, uh, for his first day because he's, he's very overprotective. Uh, his wife, as you were saying, his wife was killed by the Barracuda. All of the other eggs were, were I assume, eaten by, by the Barracuda. Um, so Nemo is the only one that's left. And Nemo, of course, has that has the disability of the, you know, the, the damaged fin. So Malin is incredibly overprotective of him and is unwilling to trust in Nemo's ability to take care of himself. Yeah. Um, you can do these Nemo... things, Nemo. Yeah, which Nemo finds infuriating because, you know, he's he's a... Big boy now. I'm a big boy, Dad. I could do it myself. I could tie my own shoelaces. That kind of yeah. thing. Um, and Marlin is unable to, you know, just accept, let him go to school. Um, yeah, it's almost like he's so, waiting for something to put him off. It's like he's, made, he's come to the decision. Maybe it was a, quite a difficult, probably a very difficult one to to allow Nemo to have some kind of semblance of a normal life. Um, yeah, because he probably would have been more more comfortable just keeping Nemo trapped in that anemone for the rest of his life, completely safe, but not ever, not ever living. So that's interesting how his arc. You're talking about uh, Marlin's agency in the film, 
And in terms of the plot of the movie being Marlin has to try and find Nemo, um, yeah, he has no agency in, in that story. But in terms of his personal arc, he kind of starts it on his own. Like he, There's a, something missing there between... Obviously, it jumps between him finding that one last damaged egg and then Nemo going for his first day of school. So in that interim, there probably was plenty of conversations Marlin had with himself saying, no, he's never leaving me, I'm, ne- I'm never leaving his side, I'm going to protect him forever, and it's the only way we can ever yeah. be safe. But he's come to a decision at some point along that, in that time, to go, I need to let him try and have a life of his own, and do normal kid things, and have some sort of childhood. So I- I'd-, I'd love to know, that's like a- another scene that I'd like to see, which didn't- isn't necessary, but I want to know how difficult that was for him, because it does seem like as soon as... He's waiting for one thing to rub him up the wrong way on that first day of school. Yes. So he has an excuse. He has a reason to justify him being like, no, I was right. You're coming home and we're never leaving again. Yes. So, um, yeah, he's very, he's very on edge that entire time and just, and just trying his best to be, trying to be a good father, trying not to to be, uh, unreasonable. Yeah. But then it's that his unreasonability is what drives Nemo away. So that Nemo and the, the school, they go on the field trip, uh, Nemo's friends, they, they they see a boat. Nemo's new friends see a, a boat in the water. Well, they keep calling it a butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is brilliant. He touched that the is butt. Brilliant. He's good. He touched the butt. <laughs> that 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 is comedy. That's great. Right? Yeah. I, that is that. Oh. I mean, it's it's, I, it's I brilliant though because it's not just like they said a funny word, but it's a funny word. It's exactly the kind of thing that kids do when they just latch onto yeah. a word they don't know is wrong. They just use it as if it's a normal yes. word, but all the adults around are going, eh, they said but. Yeah. Brilliant. That's how I'm going to raise my kids with uh, with the word gay, I think. Because, you know, gay has had so many different meanings over, like, the last hundred years. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise, when, if I ever have kids, I'm going to raise my kids to, like, uh, homosexual relationships will be called homosexual relationships and gay is going to mean gay like in the Flintstone terms of a gay old time <laughs> and then I and then I'm just going to leave it and then I'm just going to watch what happens I think but oh, that's that's that's, that's a, a side well they'll be like dad I'm feeling so gay today yeah and I'll be like good for you you can feel however you want and other, you, other don't parents... let anyone define who you are <laughs> yeah. and they'll be like oh thanks I guess yeah and other parents like, will good, be like good for you. Um, is, is that okay with you? And he's like, yeah, he's happy. He just didn't you hear yeah, him? Yeah, he just, said he's feeling gay. As long as he's happy with himself, I'm happy with him. That's that's all that matters. Yeah. Oh, you're so progressive. But... <laughs> no, I'm just a regular Fred Flintstone. So uh, they, they go out, they see a butt in the water. <laughs> the the fish, they, they swim up to touch the butt. But, but... <laughs> uh, they're too scared ne- Nemo and, and the other kids are too scared to touch the boat because again as you're saying it's that uh, impetuousness of youth where they see the um, they, they see something there and they're like well I bet you're too scared to do it and then they keep they, they do that you know kids daring each other and they make you know Nemo almost touches it but then freaks out and as he starts swimming back his dad appears and Marlin sees Nemo close to the butt and <laughs> And uh, starts disciplining him and, and shouting at him and telling him that, you know, he can't do it. Uh, he's not as able as the other ones. And uh, he needs to learn to be more responsible for himself because Marlin's not always going to be there. Um, and this is the moment that Nemo's been waiting for, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. This is why, again, going back to The Lion King, why Mufasa needs that moment of fun to break the discipline 
because uh, Marlin pushes Nemo too far and it it creates a sense of rebelliousness within him. Um, you know, that's like we, we you see that with parents all the time, where if if you push if you you push your kids too far, then um they're gonna turn against you. And that's exactly what happens to Nemo in this moment where after after Marlin disciplines him, he swims back to the butt and uh despite being scared, touches it. Um and then gets captured, damn it, he's captured by by scuba divers. A scuba diving dentist. A scuba, oh, the, oh my god, the worst kind of scuba diver. Um, and then he, he's taken off. And that's, you know, where really where, where the movie begins. And that's the end of the father and son relationship until the, until the end of the film. Um, we, we see how the, the father and the son react to being alone. And really it is, and Nemo tries to escape from the dentist office to get back to his dad. But that sto- his story is much more about being a kid and being, you know, isolated away from your, your parents and learning to be independent, I suppose. Whereas Marlin's story is really the father relationship that, that's, that's pushing him forward. So how do you feel about Marlin as a father after Nemo is gone, after he's taken? Well, like right in that moment, when he's, um, Nemo is taken, despite uh, Marlin always telling Nemo that the open sea is dangerous and you can't venture beyond the, the reef and never go far and he is obviously scared of the ocean himself after what happened with yeah. with his wife and or with, did fish get married or did they just pair up i don't know his uh coral is it the wife's name is a uh, fish wife uh coral when she's turned yeah. when she's killed so he's obviously terrified of the ocean himself but as soon as he sees nemo is in danger he goes he doesn't hesitate he oh he goes for it yeah, yeah absolutely just like he did with the with the barracuda like as soon yes. as he sees the barracuda and his wife is in danger and he's like, come back inside, come back inside. And she goes for the eggs. His first yeah. thought is to intercept that, that barracuda. Yes. He doesn't hide. He doesn't try and, you know, he knows that is what he's going to do. He's going to be a, because there's a really interesting kind of uh, definition of a heroic father. We talked about what it meant yes. in The Lion King. And in terms of um, the traditional masculinity and traditional heroism, just being the biggest and the strongest and the loudest and being a macho man. Whereas Marlin is, biologically, he's not the fiercest or the most dangerous. He's just a little tiny clownfish. He has no teeth. He has no claws. Um, he's not macho in any way. And then we see in his personality that he's a little bit timid. And But then uh, even before that, in the opening scene with, with Coral and the, and the eggs, he's... That more of a he's that affectionate um, husband figure where he just wants to be a provider. He's found the perfect house. He's found the perfect neighborhood. He just wants to give the best for his wife. Like he's not a macho man, working man kind of yeah. guy. He's more of a, he's more soft. He's more sensitive and affectionate. And yet he does these very brave ma- uh, macho things in attacking the, the fish. It's much bigger than him that could kill him in a, with a swipe and nearly does knocks him yeah. for six. So he ha- he has this real selflessness, and that that brings out this courage in him. But yeah, he makes no he has no hesitation in chasing after what is an enormous boat with an engine that's going to be gone out of his reach in a second. And even the yeah. giant scuba divers, like they they're humongous in comparison, and they have nets, and they could easily capture him too. So, but when it comes to the things that he loves, his his woman and his son, he. It, nothing, there is no element of fear that stops him. He just goes, and I, yeah. I, I like that. I'm like, oh yes, go on. Yeah, go that's on, a, that. 
that's a really important moment for both Marlin and Coral, where where and initially when Marlin is willing to leave the Barracuda to get the eggs, because they're only eggs, until Coral is, you know, going to protect them. So it is her uh, instincts as a mother to protect her eggs, but then it's Marlin's instinct as a husband to protect her, and uh, and then again as a father later on. So we, we really get to see him, uh, but both of them acting as parents in, try, in trying to protect their children, which is really great. And it's also one of Pixar's... Um, Pixar have this list of storytelling techniques that they use. And one of the things on the list um, is uh, to the effect of we like a character for trying, not for succeeding. Yeah, and that it, that is really true with Marlin in in this case because in both cases we he fails to protect Coral and he fails to save Nemo, but we like him for trying against all odds to save them. We know he can't do it. it if he did, it would be a ridiculous. There's no way a clownfish is going to beat up a scuba diver, but despite that, he tries to do it. And as an audience, we respect his character more, as you're saying, for for stepping up as a dad and doing, you know, trying to do what, what we feel a father should be trying to do in that situation, even though it's literally impossible for him to do anything. Um, so yeah, that that's a really great, really important moment. So you're right, he, he swims after the boat, desperately trying to find his son, uh, and no one is going to help him. He's in the entire ocean, and it seems like the entire ocean is just doesn't care. Now, no one will even stop to, to listen to his, to his plight. And his plight is his son has just been kidnapped. And no one is, is stopping to help him um, until he encounters uh, Ellen Disingenuous. <laughs> Still funny. It is great, isn't it? Okay, here's my problem with Ellen. If we're going to start talking about Dory, I'll, I'll get into it a bit now. Every time I see an interview that Ellen does on Ellen, there is just something... I don't know what it is. There's just something... Is it, oh, it, oh, I, I can't, disingenuous is the, the closest word that I can think of, but it just, there's, just, she just seems to be mocking the people that she's there with, it feels like she's always talking down to the people that she has on there, like, not just her guests, but, you know, like, she'll get on, like, some YouTube star or something like that, right, or, like, someone yeah. who's gone viral will be on there, but it doesn't feel like... Th- when she's talking to them, it feels like she's put them there to laugh at them. And I look at it and I go like, everyone in the audience is loving it. And I, she does a lot of great work and she's really important for, for LGBT rights and, and stuff like that. She's like a really important person within that community. But there's just something about the way that she is talking to people, to to everyone. that I'm just like, you're not superior to these people, Ellen DeGeneres. You're just you're. I don't know. I don't know. Really. I I, I, I can't I, say I can't... I can't say that I've watched a lot of it. I've seen a fair on and off a few interviews. As if I happen to see a little clip come up of someone I'm like a celebrity I'm interested in has been on there. But the more recent ones I've seen, I, I get where you're coming from. There is a little bit of something off about her. But I always thought it was like it seems to me that she's bored. About it's like yes. She yes, you're she right. She doesn't you're look right. interested in this doing this yes. job anymore. She's just like it's just like a job. She's doing it. It's a day to day salaried job. She's been doing it 
for what since 2003 since Finding Nemo came out for 16 years now yeah. so it's just that can't be as stimulating for after for all that time so the last few yeah, clips I've yeah, seen it just yes. seems like she's like ah I just I have to do this and but in a way that's kind of like when she's chatting to a celebrity on camera I get the sense that she just wants the camera to be off and she wants to be backstage so she can actually talk to these people because it's daytime TV. She can't say everything she wants to say. She can't talk about everything she wants to talk about. She's it's on network TV, so she's probably under a lot of... Um, she's probably under a lot of um, scrutiny about what she talks about and what she says and who she is. But, you know, it's become yeah. her job now. I'm, 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 I wonder if back in the day she was a bit more, a bit more genuine, a bit more exuberant, a bit more excitable. But, uh, yeah, maybe she's just like, eh... It pays the bills. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, she. It just seems like she doesn't want to be there, and I understand. I don't want to be at my any of my jobs that I've ever had either. So yeah, you know, I I I get that, but like the people that she brings on there, like she brings on these people who have never had any other chance, you know, to be on TV and gives them the spotlight for a moment, and then it's just like. Yeah, you know, I got you some shoes or something. Um, and it's like, these people are like, wow, Ellen, thank you. You've changed my life. And she's like, yeah, you know, I do this every day. And it's like, oh, oh. I, d- I don't know. Anyway, but let's get back to finding you. Because Dory is is a great character. And Ellen Ellen is great as, as Dory. So give us, who is Dory, Dave? Tell us who Dory is. Well, that's the thing. That's an interesting question. That's, she's an enigma. And part of it is because, uh, you know, we, we meet her at one point in the story. She's not a protagonist. We don't get much backstory into her until the sequel, which, by the way, I haven't seen. Have you seen Finding Dory? No. Me neither. I've not heard anything about it, which probably is a sign that it's not really worth a lot to talk about. But Yeah. Um, no, in the context of Finding Nemo, um, she is a amnesiac blue fish which leads to lots yes. of lots of hijinks and but also it's a running gag about how she can never remember where she is or what's going on but then she goes through her own arc where through this new friendship she forms with marlin in helping yeah. marlin track down nemo she somehow starts to start to mend and she starts to remember things and marlin becomes this kind of uh inspiration this uh what's the word amuse almost to her where she is a yeah she could function better in his company for some reason but um at least in the in the interim uh sorry not in the interim in, in the first instance uh there's a funny little sequence where she's like oh yeah uh marlin because just dashing around trying to talk to anything she can find saying hey well, i've seen a boat i'm trying to find a boat where did the boat go and dory says i've seen a boat follow me so it went this way so marlin's like yes yeah. finally somebody will help me so he's, he's they're swimming along and Marlon's trying to keep up with Dory, who's nipping off fast. But for being the way she is, this short-term memory problem, she forgets what she's doing and then starts to freak out because this little clownfish is following her and she has no idea why. Um, which, you know, is, is funny. Yeah. No, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah, it's great. And, yeah, we, we end up with, you know, he, uh, as you're saying, Dory ends up rebuilding a lot of her memory um and she has lots of a lot of useful skills like for some reason she can read english yeah we don't know why but um, she can read we yeah just... that that, that yeah. never comes up but by the way she's a fish that can read so that's pretty incredible but that that is like there are a few leap of faith moments in the movie where you kind of have to be like 
Well, then that's a bit ridiculous. But the Dory reading is the only thing in the film that is like, that couldn't happen. And that, <laughs> that seems like happen. a really... But it couldn't, right? Like, like, and that's the thing is that in within Pixar movies, you always have to make... They expect you to make one or two, okay, I accept that toys could be alive. Right, yeah. like That's okay, the premise of the like film, I, so I'll go yeah, you have, you have, yes, you have to buy into the premise of a Pixar movie. But once you buy into the premise, they then build the world around you, you buying into it. So, like within within the world of Toy Story, they don't then go, they don't then like change it so that the toys can fly. Right, if Buzz Lightyear could actually fly at the end of the first Toy Story, you'd be like, well, no, that doesn't make any sense because he's just a toy. Yeah. Right. And then that that detaches from the premise that you've bought into. Dory being able to read detaches from the premise of okay, he's a fish and he's he's lost because we we like the fact that they're just fish and yeah. he's tiny and he's he's weak. But then Dory being able to read is like, wait, what? Yeah, because with all with all animated films where the cast are all animals, you accept they they can speak. But in, yeah, mo- in yeah, most yeah, cases, yeah. in most of these cases, if there are human characters as well as animal characters, the hu- fish, the, the, yeah, in this case, the fish characters can understand people, but the people can't understand the fish. Because yes. you, I guess you, make, you try and make some, you can make some logical leap that fish, fish can all speak to each other in their own fish communication that we, we aren't aware of. But, you know, we don't know how that works. So we just accept that they can all speak and it's maybe just being... Yeah translated into uh, amenable American yes. uh, voice actors' voices so that we can understand what's going on. Um, but so them, them being able to speak, you kind of accept that um, as a premise just for the story to work and for it to be a film that you can actually watch. Uh, but in terms of the reading, yeah, I see where you're coming from. There's no real reason why... Because that begs the question, is she some sort of super intelligent fish? Yeah, exactly. What she, kind of fish is she? Maybe, well, we maybe there's finding, an explanation. Yeah, we haven't seen Finding Dory, so maybe. Uh, <sighs> if anyone's seen Finding Dory, you can very quickly tell us of how off we are, but <laughs> maybe. Back, I don't know, the man. This, of this Dory is, is that she was genetically yeah. engineered to be yeah. a super, a See, super this intelligent is, fish, and this then she is escaped a, when this... she went. She broke, and her memory started to go to fade. They're like, ah, fuck it, flusher. Let's try that. Yeah, this is. Yeah. That's a real fucking Batman versus Superman extended edition cop out. <laughs> oh no, no, no! If you watch the extended edition, you really understand. I don't need to watch the extended edition. I should be able to watch the original edition and the movie. Yeah, but that. Oh, I don't want to get into that. I don't. Let's not. Yeah, that's, that's, that. that's, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Studio yeah. versus alter uh, politics. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's point. true. Okay. Okay, so so in this case, all right, Dory can read. That's all right. Fine. Whatever. Fine. So yeah, okay, fine. So so Dory can read. Uh, they go through all the hijinks with the vegetarian sharks, which is is brilliant. Hijinks. They end up um on, on the sea floor with the the cuttlefish or whatever it is. I always just think of the cuttlefish of um Andy Circus from yeah. uh, Age of Ultron. The yeah, cuttlefish, yeah, yeah. the blinking lights, disco <laughs> lights. Whom, 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 so if, whom, you're, like... if you're about to make me see some sort of giant cuttlefish, <laughs> but that's what... Andy Circus is uh, the best. I love Andy. He's Circus. just yeah, he's just the best guy ever in the world. I think. But, anyway, but that's, I, that's, I, it's I, an I, angler. Funny Nemo. It's an anglerfish because it. it has oh, the, is it okay? Thank yeah, you. It's like an angler, like a fisherman. It has that 
light to attract, like a like a what do they call it in fishing, a uh, bait thing. I don't know. I've never fished. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know fish. So yes, yeah, you're right. So so they they escape from that. They read the forty two Wallaby Way, um, and then that takes them that takes them off. And but it's kind of a good mechanic. Like the Dory constantly remembers forty two Wallaby Way, Sydney. Um, and because she's really saying it, it hammers it into her her short-term memory. But then we also remember it as well. Yeah, because we hear and it over and like, over and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, people remember 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, because Dory is, is saying it all the time. Like, she uses a lot of repetition um, to try, like, just keep swimming and, and so on and so forth. Um, that kind of... Uh, uh, and it uh, builds a stronger connection between us and the character because we hear her say the same thing lots and lots of times and that kind of uh, somehow builds a connection between us I don't really know yeah, why but if we remember what she's trying to remember you kind of feel like we're helping yes yeah we, yeah that's true that's very true yeah, yeah. Um, then they uh, they encounter some some other fish and Marlin's being a real jerk and this is like his character flaw one of the things that's kind of nice is that both Marlin and Nemo suffer from these suffer from character flaws where Nemo is far too impetuous and Marlin is far too reserved. But also, like as we know, the only thing that Marlin cares about is Nemo. He cares about nothing else. And even Dory, who is like dragged along through these sharks and these anglerfish and all of this stuff, like Marlin does not care about Dory, like in- until basically the end of the film. Um, yeah, that's true. And yeah. And he's a real dick through the to Dory through the whole movie. Um so they encounter the the uh uh, another school uh, the, the 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 moonfish and the moonfish are like hey is this guy bothering you yeah that that kind of bit which, which is, is really yeah, good incidentally fun. is the the john ratzenberger cameo that has to appear in every pixar movie in every pixar film yes yeah. yeah that's a really nice moment as they're like trying to cheer dory up and uh point them in the way of sydney and and, and all of that stuff and even fish seem to know the sydney opera house yeah uh, <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah okay sure yeah sure um they point them in the right direction and they say hey when you come to the trench go over oh no go through don't go over yeah. right isn't that right and then right. yeah go through don't yeah to go through uh, go through don't go over and marlin's like uh i'm pretty sure dory if you look at the trench the really dark scary trench that we should go over it and Dory's like, oh, I don't know, Marlin, you should trust me on this. And Marlin's like, fuck you, Dory. Yeah, because um, Marlin must not have heard the moonfish say that, right? Doesn't he swim off before? Yes. And they, they sort yeah, of yeah, say yeah, to yeah. Dory, by the way, out of earshot of Marlin. And yeah, so when yes. they arrive at the trench, Dory's memory problem kicks in. She's like, oh, I'm getting a weird feeling about this trench. I feel like I was yes. supposed to do something. Yeah. But Marlin's like, and no, I'm the smart one. You're just an yes. idiot. Yeah. And then they, they get stuck in the, the jellyfish, uh, the swarm of jellyfish. Yeah, and, terrifying. Yeah, and it, it, at this point, I guess that's kind of speaks to the structure of the movie. It's really great what happens next, because up until this point, Marlin has... My enjoyment of Marlin as a character has, like, rapidly decreased. Because at the beginning of the film, we like him because... Uh, we like him as a husband. We like him as a father who tries to protect his son. We appreciate the journey that he's on. But the way that he's treating Dory, who is everyone's favourite character in the film, like, he's acting like a real jerk. And because he's acting like a jerk, we don't like him as much. And um, we start sympathising less with him, even though 
he's the one who's actually finding Nemo. Yeah. Um, and in everything that happens is, you know, is it, all the negative things that happen is is because of you know his his negativity. I guess it's like his negativity manifests into all of these terrible things that happen. Um, and after they exit the jellyfish, they wake up and. Oh man! It, it, thank God for the sea turtles in this movie. <laughs> yes, they are the best. They 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 come at the, the exact right time as well. In the yes, because a lot of yes. dark stuff is happening. Like with yes. Marlin being a jerk, and then the jellyfish thing happens. But then you get some kind of reprieve. You think, oh, he's found a way to get them out of it with the bouncing on the jelly on the top bits. And, you, yes. and you're hoping that they're going to get out of it, but then it doesn't. And Dory's hurt. And like you say, Dory's everyone's favourite character. So your heart yeah. sinks when you think that Dory might be in real trouble. And when that, all that seems to be going terribly, that leads straight... Then the very next scene, it cuts straight to um, Nemo's first attempt to do the filter in the tank in the dentist office, which goes wrong. Right. And he nearly, right. get, nearly gets sucked into the, the, the choppy thing and all yes. the other fish put the little... Um, a vine up that tube to hoik him out and you're like man things are not going well for either of these clownfish yeah and that's when they drop the sea turtles in for some joy some unbridled oh joy. man yeah god th- those sea turtles are awesome like they they are the best like, and we, we get introduced to our second father-son yes, yeah. combo and that's really a really beautiful moment I think this I think I tear up Three or four times in Finding Nemo, for sure. Um, I think the first the first time I I tear up is the the beginning with Marlin and Coral, where Coral uh, you know tries to uh, protect the eggs, and the Barracuda kills her, and and then Marlin is like, oh no, she's dead, and Nemo's in on that. That's a great tearing up moment. Then the second tearing up moment, yeah, for me, is watching uh watching Crush and Squirt, the the father son turtle <laughs> combo. Yeah, and. Uh, I I tear up watching it. I'm so happy watching these sea turtles that I'm just there like, oh, it's so beautiful. He trusts his son so much, and their parenting is so relaxed. <laughs> That's interesting. Why do you think? Why do you think that uh, that affects you so much? Uh, you know, in relation to your own your own life. Because yeah, I, 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 I don't know. You, I don't know if I told you this off pod or not, but um, yeah. I, was, I was talking to my dad about this podcast, and. Um, and what we're doing it for and why. And uh, yeah. he yeah, he immediately was like, Oh yeah, I did get what you mean. Um and but he his theory is that if you ever if any moment where you tear up because of a father son thing in a movie, it's because you directly relate that to some event in your own life. Either yes. as a father or the, or a son. I guess if you are a father you can go either way. Whereas you and I, we're if we're only sons, we're not fathers of our own, so we can only relate it in one direction. Yeah. Whereas my dad reckons if that happens to you, it's because it, you can directly relate that to your relationship with your father or your yeah. or your son. So, with that in mind, is there a reason do you think that that the turtles and their their parenting style and how free and trustworthy they are uh, affects you? I'm not sure. I think my my relationship with my dad would be a little bit like that, where my dad was being very much willing to just let me figure things out for myself. And if I if I make a mistake, then I learn from that mistake. That's the whole point of making mistakes. Yes. Rather, instead of o- overparenting, it's uh, you you let your child learn from their mistakes and then give them the support and advice they need afterwards, rather than trying to force them into making a decision 
um, from which they don't learn for themselves. Um, and that's, I think that's the, one of the reasons that our, our generation and the generation under us has had a whole bunch of problems um, is that our parents' generations were like the, the like the punks and you know the that like post uh that you know 70s 80s stuff where they were doing lots of drugs and being very rebellious but then they had the idea of ah uh, yeah but because because i did all of these things because when i was young i did all these drugs and was crazy when i have kids my kids won't have to do it because i'm going to be a cool parent <laughs> and and parents think that that's gonna that experience will make them more relaxed whereas it, i think that it's actually the other way around where parents like a lot of parents will think oh yeah well you know i did all of this stuff when i was young so my kids won't do it and then when their kids do it they're like hey no i did all of this when i was young so you didn't have to um and they end up putting out kind of the wrong message whereas my dad was yeah very much more um yeah, uh, uh, allowing me to, to make a lot of my own mistakes in that regard. But I don't see him as a direct uh, correlation to to Crush and, and Squirt. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just in comparison to, to Marlin and Nemo. Um, uh, maybe it's kind of how I, I would see myself as a parent when I'm older. Um, uh, just throwing, you know, catapulting my son out <laughs> into the ocean and then letting him <laughs> yeah. letting him figure it out letting him figure it out for myself uh letting him figure it out for himself but yeah i i'm not sure that that, that that relationship i think is just really beautiful um and the the trust they have in each other and the bravery that the, uh, the courage that um that squirt has as a son by being trusted by his father like it's kind of the opposite of that Marlin Nemo. Where Nemo ends up being scared because he's never been allowed to have risk in his life. And yeah. because he's never been able to risk, he's never developed courage. Like courage is essentially a skill. Oh, that's what like a lot of ancient Greek philosophers would be is like courage is one of those skills that you develop. And the more you are put into a position in which you need to be brave, the more bravery you develop. I don't know how true that is, but it's, it seems to be true where and that's another thing with with our generation is our generation and the one directly below us have been overparented. And because we have been overparented, we're a generation of cowards. And that's like I, I have a very strong feeling about this, about our, our generation being a generation of of cowards. Um because we've never been able to risk anything in our lives. And because of that, we're terrified of everything. Um uh, whereas Squirt is a direct uh is, you know, the antithesis of that. Crush will just launch him across the ocean and then he'll be like, Wow, that was awesome and he'll come back in excited and energized because he's had the he's had the thrill and he's learned to take care of himself. He's got that the independence that he needs to take care of himself, but also he has the, the love and support of his father, which I think is is really important and is a really great lesson for Marlin to learn. As well. Exactly. It's like yeah. the lesson he the lesson he needs to learn about being a dad from you know from the turtles. I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's that's part of what makes it such a perfectly timed scene. Not only because you need a bit of 
a bit of levity after you've had a couple of quite heavy, heavy sequences, but also because yeah. it's exactly what Marlon needs to learn. He, he needs to see yes. how it can, how it can be done and what he's been lacking in his parenting uh, technique. And uh, yeah, I think that's, it's, a, it's perfect timing. And it's interesting uh, what you're saying about how it relates to how you relate to it or your, your future, future self and your future children. Cause I, I like to think that I'd do the same as well. If I was a father, be a bit more, bit more free and um with with my own children but uh i guess you never know i wonder how many uh parents are raised in a way that they find to be stifling or strict themselves so when yes. they have their own children they're like i'm not going to make the same mistakes that my parents did and then they have children oh, yeah. that have yeah. their own children and they're like oh shit the world is really scary and i have to protect my yes. kids and it's way it's worth being overbearing and protective because the world is awful and bad shit can happen and I love my children I don't want them to suffer whereas yeah. like, you, like you say I think it's I think it can be more valuable to let your children go out and and make mistakes and to some degree suffer a little bit because you, like and again like I agree with you again courage has to be learned and there's yeah. and there's no courage without fear and if you don't put your children in scary situations they won't learn how to overcome it and they'll just expect um you know that they can avoid um, fear their entire lives when when you get into the yeah. real world that's just not something that that happens yeah yeah i i i totally agree like you could see there are like there is literally academic evidence about how overparented like our generation and, and the one under us have been where you can look at the age in which children were let outside to play with their friends unsupervised and you look at the like this is through interviewing parents and saying okay what age would you let your did you let your children outside and you look through from like the last 30 years and uh, for our parents generation they were let outside unsupervised at like seven years old eight yeah. years old but now the idea these days of letting your seven-year-old child outside unsupervised is like unthinkable like you could almost like the you can imagine the police turning up at your house being like uh why aren't you supervising your kid you're just letting them run around outside what if someone was to take them or something um and it's like you can't like at what age then is it appropriate to let your child experience the world yeah and that that is kind of the 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 marlin versus uh crush, crush dilemma in 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 this movie is like Marlin won't let his son out of the reef. He won't even let him outside of, of the house, as you were saying. Um, and crush is much more willing to trust the community that, that he exists within to, uh, you know, to you have, if you only trust yourself, then your child will take on that fear of the community. But if you have a greater trust within the community, then it allows your children to develop bravery as they grow together. Yeah. Um, and if you are constantly afraid of everyone who is not you and your spouse, then, you know, you're, you're going to have weak children. I yeah, think. exactly. And that's going that, to disseminate down. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think so many of, of the problems that we, we see now um, uh come from this this fear that is built that is built into us like we're, we're essentially all nemos without the end of nemo yeah right like 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 you are i think our, our generation and the one below us are like everyone is nemo and 
then you like the people who are squirt are the ones who become really successful and they're like oh i wonder why it is that you know that they became really successful so anyway so yeah the, the turtles come up they're great they light the movie uh they're they're hilarious they teach him an important lesson and then they they deliberately cause the next moment that makes me cry which is uh when the uh the news of marlin's journey spreads across the ocean yeah and it's like the, the the turtles talk to the fish and then the fish talk to the dolphins and then the dolphins talk to blah 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 and like the entire ocean starts to hear about how this little clownfish is going to sydney to get his son and the news gets all the way to nemo that his dad is coming and that makes me cry like yes. a motherfucker that is that is one like i i differ from you i think slightly and this film doesn't really really cut into me much uh, very often throughout, right. throughout. Um, maybe it's like, like we talked about the Lion King maybe it's because I you know watched it as a as a moody disgruntled 16 year old and not as an impressionable child or not as a emotionally developed adult so it's in that middle area where I was just like was dead to the world nothing yes. could affect me but um, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but there is there that moment where um, uh, Nigel the Pelican is relaying the story back to yes. Nemo and because there's a bit early one in the tank with um, with Nemo and Gil, who kind of Gil kind of becomes this sort of, sort of surrogate stepfather kind of figure while he's in yeah the he's tank. he's the the Willem Dafoe Willem, Willem Dafoe, Dafoe yeah Gil there's the scarred yeah. angelfish or yeah. whatever he's it is. great great character yeah, great yeah. character yeah and uh, it's I think the very first time they meet um, Gil or straight away offers a dichotomy in in father uh, parenting styles to Marlin in that. Instead of telling Nemo that what he can't do, and that you can't do this, Nemo, you can't do that, he's he just gives advice and he gives encouragement and he goes. And when yes. Nemo gets into trouble, I can't remember what happens. Something happens. And he panics in the tank, doesn't he? And he gets sucked into the filter bit, into the tube. Yes. And everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And the girl's like, "No, stop! Let him figure it out for himself." Yes. That's exactly yeah, yeah, the yeah. opposite of what Marlon would do. Marlon would be charging up there, going, "Don't, don't try and help. Let me do it. Let me do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. so. And uh, after yeah, after that, I think there's a, a conversation between Gil and Nemo where Gil says, "Do you miss? Do you miss your father? You, you know, it's, you're lucky to have somebody out there who's looking for you." No, that's after. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It must be before because Nemo's response is, "He's not looking for me. He's scared of the ocean." So at that point, yeah. Nemo's already like probably all this entire time he's not. It's not even occurred to him that his dad is coming to get him because all he knows about his father because all he's ever been told is that the ocean is scary. You must never go out there. So Nemo assumes his father would never come for him because it involves yeah. traversing the enormous ocean, which he's terrified of. So when he finally hears that story from Nigel that his father has, you know, fought sharks and scary deep sea yes. fish and yeah. explosions yeah. and whatever else, yeah, his face lights up with this this swell of pride, like oh, my dad did all that. Yes. He's my hero. He's the best thing ever. That that kind of makes me go, oh man, that's 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 nice. But that is brilliant. That's yeah, nice. that but is that, such a great moment. Yeah, it's a really nice moment. But I'm, I'm afraid my my cold my cold English heart doesn't doesn't allow me to feel <laughs> anything there. But I, I can at least identify it as as a sweet moment. Well, that that moment makes me tear up because as yeah. as you're saying, it is it is like Nemo realizes that his father is overcoming his greatest fear, like yeah. all of his greatest fears. And it also is that moment of inspiration for Nemo, who was essentially given up. Yeah. Like Nemo's, he's, he's ready to just quit and yeah. you know, basically get sh- shaken to death. Yeah, by, Nemo's uh, gone emo. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, he's like, oh god, that doll is going to arrive and with a big scary braces, and she's going to shake me in the bag, and I'm going to die. Yeah. Oh, we're all going to die. <laughs> um, and th- and then and then he hears the yeah, the, the story of his dad. And he's like, uh, overcoming impossible odds to go there just for him, and, and you know, in knowing that his his dad is 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 willing to fight it spurs in nemo that that same desire yeah. like father and son are united to, to see each other again um that's sweet yeah doesn't he yeah, immediately is, goes and does the uh, filter thing again doesn't he? he's like right if my dad can do yes. it so can i yeah yeah which is a, a really great a really yeah a really awesome moment okay so then like a bunch of other stuff happens uh we get the um, uh, Marlin, they, again, they get stuck in the blue whale, and Marlin is addicted to Dory again. Oh, you can't speak whale, Dory, blah, 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 blah. Of course she can, because Dory is a Mary Sue character, and this Dory can do everything. Um, I think she might be Fish Jesus. <laughs> then, Fejus. Then, um, There's that, that important moment in the, in, the, in the whale where Dory is trying to tell Marlin that they need to allow themselves to be swallowed. Oh, and, that's right. Let go. Like, yeah. Well, Marlin's like, you can't, you can't speak well. You don't understand what's going on. You're an idiot. I'm the sensible one. We need to struggle to survive always because life is a yeah. struggle and everything's trying to kill us. Um, yeah. And then that heightened moment of strain and tension where yeah, Dory's just looking up at him and saying, let go, let go. And he says, you think you could do these things, but you can't, Nemo. And he realizes yes. in yeah. himself that yeah. he's, he's, never, he's not changed. He's, he's treating yes. Dory the same way he treated his son. And the whole reason Dor- uh, Nemo is gone is because of him and because of his overbearing attitude. Yes. And that's All right. I'll, I'll give it that. That is an important moment. Yeah, yeah that is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's that, when, that's that's when really he decides to literally let go. And I think also, like, um, metaphorically let go of, of his, um, what do you want to call it? His high-strung uh, yes. nature and his superiority over Dory. Because it's when they... When they get expelled from and jettisoned from the whale, and they they they're there, they're in. Are they in? They're in. They're in. They're in Sydney at that point, aren't they? Or yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Woohoo, hooray!" And then he tries to speak whale, and by copying what Dory's doing, so he just finally accepts that. You know, he's not yeah. on his yeah, own. Yeah. Then, then the, they get thrown onto the dock, right, with the seagulls, and the and uh, and the mine. Mine? And then Mine? Ni- Ni- Nigel, the-, the pelican, is like, if you want to live, hop oh. into my mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great moment. But there's, what's, there's this, yeah. um, that, that, the moment just before that, where doesn't he, um, he sees he see somebody struck, is it a seagull or a pelican struggling on, choking on something? Because they get, I can't remember now. Oh, yeah, yeah, another, pel- another pelican tries to eat. Dory, or, and, uh, and Marlin, yeah, he tries to eat them and both. They, and, Marlin, and Marlin's like punching him in the neck or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right? he's like, oh, then he wedges himself in his, in his esophagus. Doesn't he? He's like, no, yeah. I've come this far, I won't be stopped now. And he's like yeah. choking, and all these other pelicans yeah. are watching him like, oh, he's having a bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. someone should probably help him. And they, they all just lay, sit there. It's like, well, don't all get up yeah, at yeah. once. I love that. Yeah, yeah. But, that's, but again, that's... Settle, a... I don't know if this, is, this exists on the internet anyway, but I want to settle something because everyone I've spoken to falls down on one side of this or the other. The seagulls, yeah. right? You've just said they're like, mine, mine, mine. I always yeah. thought they were saying mate because they're Australian. Mate, mine, mate. And there was like a, a funny little nod to Australian... Or to them being Australian. Yeah. So I always thought they were saying mate. You think they're saying mine? Yeah. 
Yes. I, I don't know which, because is, the sea, which is true. Because the, the seagulls are like... In, they're just they're, selfish and all yeah. they think about is food, they're right? Like the, yeah, so the idea is that whatever, ev- everything they by. see is 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 theirs. And that's how I how I yeah, it. Yeah, I totally get that. That makes perfect sense. But uh, I yeah, I just I always heard it as mate, and I just don't know which it is. I don't think we. I don't want to look it up either. I'd rather live in in blissful ignorance. <laughs> yeah, well, they could just be they could just be a bunch of Aussie blokes, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm not uh, sure yeah, which, yeah, which yeah, it is. Yeah. But anyway, please carry on. Yeah. Okay, so there, uh, Nigel, the, the, the pelican, takes them to the dentist office. Uh, Nemo has managed to escape from the tank, but has had to fake being killed to escape. Um, and uh, we get that moment where Marlin looks down at his son, oh. who appears to be dead. Um, and that's a heartbreaking moment. It is. He's, he's yeah. upside down. After that, that whole bit where, yes. where Darlow, where, no, the, um, what's his face? The dentist grabs him out of the tank. He's like, Gil, no, help yes. me. I don't want to go upside down. I don't want to go upside down. That bit gets yeah. me a little bit. That, that, real, that real fear. And you get reminded yes. that he's a child because the only way he can sort of um, articulate that experience of death is by the picture that's of Dala in the dentist's office with a dead fish in a bag upside down. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. I don't want to go upside She's down. She's the worst. She is She's awful. the worst. Like Sid yeah. from Toy Story was bad, but I think Dala is worse. Shit. Man, I would take Sid every day. At least yeah. Sid is like misunderstood. Yeah, like like he's like a tortured a tortured soul. Whereas, uh, yeah, Dala is just, just a awful. monster. Yeah. I love like the psycho music that plays every yeah. time she enters the room. Or yeah, <laughs> it's really great. So so uh, Marlin thinks that Nemo's dead, but actually he's not, and he's been he remembers that all the pipes lead to the ocean. Yeah. so he's got himself to the pipe. Um, and he escapes, and then Marlin gets that moment where he returns to the ocean, and he thinks that Nemo's gone, and, and oh. all of it was for nothing. Yeah, that um, that bit that's yeah. heavy. That bit really actually is the one bit that really punches me in the gut. Where he's just, it's not so much Marlin's reaction because I find that he accepts it very quickly. Yes, it's like oh well, okay, that's that's that then, and off he and he yeah. just he just turns yeah. around and goes. But it's it's Dory's plea. To him, not to not to leave her, that because yes. she the the real terror and panic in her, in her voice and how she she talks about like what we spoke about before that around him she her she can remember things and she's better and she has a friendship and she really values him but he's just obviously completely destroyed and just wants to go and it's her breakdown in that moment which really feels it's so it feels so real. And yeah, it, it does. I, I find it, it does. Cutting. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a really genuine moment. Um, I mean, that okay, fine. That bit has brilliant voice acting from from Ellen DeGeneres there. Yeah, because she's not where, just, like she could be funny and quirky. That that's, she can do that all day yes. long. But she there proves that she can also put real emotion and sadness into, yeah. into the character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really great moment. And then yeah, Marlin's like, no, go away. I want to go home and die. Basically. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Marlin's acceptance makes complete sense because, to his mind, like, of course, of course he gets there too late. Yeah, right? he, like, he's expecting like, to fail, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been... Yeah, he's been... Uh, yeah, failure was inevitable. And he gets there and his son's dead and it's like, well, my wife's dead, all my children are dead. And nothing I've done has ever made a difference. 
Um, and that's like a really, a really dark moment that speaks to, I don't know, there, there is something quite uh, human, like a very human moment there. Um, uh, especially when he dismisses Dory, like, you know, like, just get it, get out of my way. Yeah. Um, but then we, then Dory encounters Nemo and uh, she doesn't remember who he is until she sees the 42 Wallaby Way Sydney thing again. Or she sees the word Sydney, then she remembers, brings Nemo and Marlin together again. But then they get caught in a twist, a cruel twist of fate. Father and son are reunited only to be caught in a net with other fish. Yeah, that immediate peril. I love, I do like how yes. they give you no time to enjoy the fact that Marlin has found him. Yeah. Like they get reunited and you're like, oh, that's nice. But there's immediately they're in some shit. They're in some more, yes. more peril. And it's a really great moment because exactly as you were saying about the, the let go moment in the whale, this is where we need to see that Marlin has grown. Yes. Right? Like we, we, we've seen the moments where he has, but the movie needs to put it into practice to show that he has learned the lesson. Because we could say, oh, you know, he has and he's a cooler dad now. But what makes this movie like a five star movie is that it is then immediately put into practice when Nemo has learned all of the lessons from the fish tank um, and tells him to st- and like tells him to swim down and uh, Marlin has to play his part and and trust in his son that his son can do this um, and they they get they get caught in a big net with a load of other fish but Nemo and Marlin uh, tell all the other fish to to swim down. And in swimming down, they they break the the, yeah. the net of the boat, and, but then, yeah, and they the, all escape. There's the that the moment where Marlin that that moment you're talking about, where we have to see that Marlin has learned to yeah. how to you know how properly to to be to be a father and how to let go and and all these things. Is it because his immediate reaction when Nemo darts back into the net, he's like he grabs hold of his yeah. fin. He's like, no, I'm not going to lose you. I can't. You yes, yes, and. Um, He's like, I'm not going to let it go. And then Nemo turns back around and says, I can do this. And that's when yeah. new Marlin so yeah, comes that, out and says, yes. I know you can. And lets him, and lets yeah. him go. That yeah. was that's, so, uh, that's so important. Because really yeah, it's like yeah. immediately he, he defaults back to old Marlin. Right? Yeah. Like, no, 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 we're getting out of here. But then when, when he sees that Nemo has grown and Nemo has changed as well, his son has grown. Um. He, he, and then he, we show that he has grown as a father as well. So, yeah, that's one of the really important things about this film, I guess, is that father and son, like, when they were stuck together in the house, they could never grow as people. But once they were forced apart, they grew separately. And, and they came back together. The, when the, yeah. and they're, they're, they're both stronger for it, which is, yeah, really a really brilliant, really brilliant moment. Yeah, and right. they all escape, and they escape. They go home to the coral, and Dory's back there with them. Oh, you're forgetting and... you're, you're skirt, skirting over a huge moment there. So. Oh, am I? Oh, yeah. what happens when they all they get they got all the fish to work together to swim down, and they break the crane of the boat and the net uh, falls to the bottom of the ocean. All the fish escape. Nemo is, is lying motionless in the bottom of the oh. net, and not only and so the marlin is left to think. I went through all this to find Nemo. I thought that he was dead. Turns out he's not dead. Now he might be dead again. <laughs> he's, yeah. just, he's just so up and down, and he's, he swims, yeah. swims over and sort of cradles Nemo, and he's and he says, "Daddy's here. Daddy's got you." And like, that's one moment where I'm like, "Oh God, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty emotional." And and Marlin flashes back 
to when he first discovered Nemo as the, fir- the, the final egg that survived yeah. the Barracuda attack and had a little scar in the egg. And, you know, it's just this it's just a completely loving moment where he, it would be, it's nice as well that he doesn't panic. He doesn't, yes. he's, not, he's not grabbing hold of Nemo and shaking him, going, No, don't, I can't lose you. It's just this real gentle, Daddy's here, Daddy's got you, you're going to be okay. I love you very much kind of um, vibe. And Nemo, as Nemo wakes up, I don't hate you. I love that's the first thing he yeah. says. The, the last thing he says to his dad before he gets captured is, I hate you. Yeah. And for once they're finally out of, because you know, they get reunited, but like you say, they're immediately in peril again with the fishnet. When they finally have a proper, re, um, they're finally reunited. The one thing that Nemo wants to say first to his dad is, I don't hate you. Like that's yeah. probably been playing on his mind all this time. And he's, it's, that's really sweet. Because, like you say, we've we've witnessed Marlin's journey this entire time, and we've been on his side, and we want everything to turn out for him. And for to get that immediate kind of uh, what's the word reconciliation with yeah. with the son after everything, you're like, oh, he deserved that. <laughs> I kind of it's a little bit of a relief when I when you hear him say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Their, their relationship is is uh, is saved. Yes, and. Yeah, and then uh, we cut back to the coral, and um, uh, there is they're back at school, and Nemo's much more confident with everybody, and Marlin is able to go and make his clown, his stupid clownfish joke. <laughs> yeah, he nails it. Uh, and he nails is, it. He, he does nail it. <laughs> um, and then my, my favorite bit of the entire film, where they uh, squirt appears. He's there. He's an exchange student or something. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the turtle's there, and I'm like, yes, Squirt is back. The best character in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, a, just a really, a really great, uh, a really nice end to the film where we see, you know, we're, we're, they've gone back to their home, back to their normal lives. Um, like some kind of status quo is restored, but they, they the characters themselves have, have grown and, and, and really changed, and yeah, it's it's a great, a really nice ending uh, to yeah. the movie. I think. Yeah, you, you you said it right at the top, like in terms of um, story structure and everything being everything being closed off and every, the arc being complete. There aren't many films that have done it better than than Finding Nemo. Yes. Oh, and doesn't I? Doesn't Bruce the shark appear again at the end as well? Where is he? Yeah, because um, because they him and aren't the they like oh they deliver that little um that little squirty fish, don't they? He's wanted to oh no, it's oh, Dory. And, and Dory, that's where Dory, Dory is. Yeah, like, yes, he wanted to make sure that um our the newest member of our club yes. got here safely. And, yeah, uh, and Do- yeah, Dory yeah, has yeah. joined the fish our friends not food movement. Yeah, and they're yeah, proud. Yeah. They're proud of her for being, you know, clean. <laughs> Yeah, that's so great. Yeah. Isn't there a bit where, it's, where uh, maybe it's Marlin, it might be Marlin or Dory, I can't remember, where she's like, I don't think I've eaten fish ever. And they're like, and they're like, like oh, wow, that's so, that's yeah, so, that's that's so good, Dory. That's so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, really but then speaking of like favourite characters or best characters in the entire film, my favourite character, I think, has a very, very minor role. Um, and he's in that scene in the submarine when they first encounter the sharks at their meeting. Yes. And they all had to bring along uh, a fish friend. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah. there's that one little tiny yellow fish who is just fear yeah. incarnate. And he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. That guy cracks me up every time. He's so funny. I know. My, yeah, my favourite character in the movie is the other fish that they brought along who was just a skeleton in the stuck guy's in the teeth. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I don't know if it's that one. One of the other two sharks... Um, because the the main shark is voiced by uh, Bruce is voiced by the guy who was Dame Edna Everidge. What's his name? I can't remember his name, but you know the famous drag queen. Um, and then one of the other sharks is voiced by Eric Banner. Oh really? Yeah, and I didn't know that. Oh, until that's cool. To research this time, and this oh, was the ha- like, yeah the, the, ha- the hammerhead shark. It's, yeah, the hammerhead. Because yeah, Eric, oh, awesome. Eric Banner wasn't big news then. Like his breakout yeah, film, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Australian film Chopper, was only in two thousand. So what's that? So that's Black Hawk Down in two thousand and one, and then two thousand and three. Yes, Finding Nemo and Hulk. So he was, oh, brilliant! If he did that now, he'd probably get paid ten times as much. Probably, yeah, he'd yeah, probably yeah, quite yeah. a modest, yeah. modest uh, wage for that job. Yes, but so, yeah. yeah, that's a, yeah, a really great scene. A really great scene in a really good movie. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Well, do we have? Do you have anything else to add? Um. Oh, that was quite tuneful, wasn't it? Uh, oh, that's nice. No, no, not really. I just I always end up looking at things like uh, like the cast and people of, especially if you look back at films in like the late nineties, early two thousands, because so many actors who have come on to be much bigger and better kind of got their start around yes. that sort of era. So it's cool that to see Eric Eric Banner back there, and I know Andrew Stanton, one of the directors, he did the voice of Crush, the uh, the turtle. Yes, which I, I love that they but do even that like sometimes. even. Even like uh, Alison Janney from from the West Wing yeah. and like m- m- Oscar winner and everything now. Love Alison Janney. She plays uh, the the starfish in yeah. the aquarium, She's um, great. which is great. Like yeah, she would have been starring in the West Wing um, around this time as well. Time, but yeah, yeah, she's just an incredible actress. Yeah, I love I love Jeffrey Rush as Nigel as well. I was uh, I was yeah. reading that um, in order to make the it uh, the sound it sounds right when he was trying to speak with the fish in his mouth he uh, yeah. re- he recorded it by holding onto his tongue and pulling it out of his mouth and then trying to speak that's pretty good <laughs> i didn't realize that the crush the awesome best character in the movie well but crush and squirt are the, the two sea turtles are the best the uh, characters but he's voiced by andrew stanton yeah who fine. is like the pixar guy he's the director of the movie yeah i was gonna say also he's he he wrote he wrote finding nemo um or was one of the, the co-writers on it yeah um and like he d- directed uh uh john carter of mars and like other big big disney things as well yeah he went back to, went um, off to do like live action stuff didn't he but, uh... yeah yeah but he, again like he's a, a writer on on nemo on on Toy Story, on Monsters Inc., like he he's the guy, he's the dude. Yeah. So Wally yeah. as well. He directed Wally, which is another great one. <sighs> Man, that is that is great. Wally. <laughs> Unfortunately, Wally doesn't have a dad. Otherwise, we oh. would be hopping straight onto Wally. <laughs> we would. And another impression to do my spot on Wally impression. <laughs> that 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 was brilliant. Was it alright? Did you like it? Thanks. I you know I I didn't even realize it was you. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought, button. holy shit! When did when did Wally get here? That was what I thought. <laughs> okay, well, if if we're 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 gonna round up our time with uh with with Finding Nemo, thank you very much for listening, Dave. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, where can they reach you? 
If you feel so inclined, uh, I suppose. I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter at LDaveMachine. That's E-L-D-A-V-E Machine. And I'm, on, I'm also on the Instagrams uh, at CrackityBrian, which if you, can tell me, <laughs> if you can tell me what that's a reference to, then you'll get bonus friends points. And maybe I will. I can't. Uh, you can't? Well, I'm never going to tell you. No. God damn it. It's a trade secret. Okay, I, I, that will annoy me for about 20 seconds until I forget. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have no social media, so there is no way to, to reach me, except for to like, subscribe, leave a comment down below. If you have any problems with my discussions on <laughs> feelings about Ellen DeGeneres, <laughs> then, uh, then definitely uh, let us know down below. That would be great. Um, thank you. Huge thank you, as always, to uh, my awful commentary partner, Steve Mears, who uh, has to edit all of these and we never credit him at the end. And I was I was talking to my dad about the podcast today. And again, this is, this is how it goes with my dad. Oh, I was listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah. What do you think? Oh, it's good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Okay. Dave really loves his dad, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he does. He does. He does love his dad. Yeah. Then, then that's it. That's it. <laughs> then, 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 then. It's like, I, I, you're waiting for something here, dad. Right? So, dad, if, if you are listening, I love you very much. Like, that goes without saying. Whenever me and my dad talk, we always say I love you before we hang up. Oh, then so the sweet. other thing, then the other thing, my my dad said was, "You never say thank you to Steve at the end of your podcast." So Steve, this is from from all of the podcasts that you have edited, to this is from me to the rest of the world. Thank you, you are the best. We again, we couldn't do any of this without you. Um, so a huge thanks to him for having to listen to this bullshit. Because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to anyone who else who has listened to all of this, Steve has to listen to it uncut. So, um, imagine the, the the torture that he has to go through. Yeah, he's a hero. Thanks, Steve. He really is. He really is. So, uh, what do you want to do next time? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I think I haven't really come up with any good ideas. It's been it's been a, a trying, a trying uh, Christmas season, you know. We've been so, so, so busy. <laughs> oh, God. You're right, but we'll talk about it off pod. God, are you, are you okay? You're going to be all right. I think I'll be fine. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm oh God, okay. <laughs> do you have? Do you, oh, oh, okay, well, no, no, we're going to wrap I up now. No oh. to, nothing to cry about. I'm, I'm very happy, and life is great. Um, I just uh, have nothing else to say. So I, I resorted to default falseness and lies. Oh, that's awful. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> Well, uh, I don't want to go on do another animated one because sometime in the future I want to sit down with The Incredibles and The Incredibles 2 and tear that apart because I think that's a, a really nice one to do for, for daddy issues. But uh, I don't want to jump straight into that. I don't want to jump into another superhero movie. Um, there's got to be something, right? Well, maybe uh, anyone has any suggestions, leave a comment and uh, we can peruse your, your ideas. Perfect. Yeah, tell us, tell us what you would like us to watch that has something to do with Father and Sons. If anyone says, I would like you to watch and review hardcore pornography. No. No, we shall not do that and tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shall do it, but we shall not tell you about it. So any suggestions other than hardcore pornography. It could be uh, movies, TV shows, books, 
comics, anything that has that that uh, strong father-son relationship that maybe makes you tear up. Uh, let us know in, in the comments below and we'll be sure to get on. Sounds fun. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.